This week on Daily Hope, we're talking about your worldview, those sets of beliefs that you base your life on. Now, knowing your worldview is important if you want to follow Jesus, because if you have the wrong perspective on life, you're going to miss God's plan for your life. You can either choose your plan or you can choose God's plan, but you can't choose both. When you understand God's worldview, you understand grace. And you know what grace is? Grace is the fact that God knows every stupid mistake you're going to make in your life, and he still chose you, and he loves you, and he has a plan and purpose for your life, and he even weaves those mistakes, those difficulties, delays, dead ends, and disasters into his plan and purpose for you. That's the worldview you want to get, and you only get it from the Bible. I'm Rick, and I hope you'll join me today on Daily Hope as we look into the Bible to understand God's view of you. God's worldview will make a world of difference in your life. Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we're in the final few days of this series called Reframing Your Worldview. This is part three of a message called, How Should I Live in This World? It's taken from various portions of Scripture. And now, here's Rick. If you have something, a possession, that God told you to give it away, and you can't give it away, you don't own it. It owns you. If you could not give it away, you don't own it. It owns you. It's all going to vanish anyway, so why store it up? Now here's the fifth key to living the way Jesus lived. I live with discernibility, I live with integrity, I live with humility, I live with simplicity, and then I live with possibility. I see the possibilities because I have faith. This is the faith factor in living. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. The Bible says whatever is not a faith is sin. The Bible says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. And so God says, when you come to me and you believe in me, oh, the possibilities expand in enormous ways. Look at this verse. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says, with God, everything is possible. Well, I can figure that. He created it all. But the next one's the mind blower. Mark 9, 23, everything is possible to him who believes. Now, that's a different issue. I believe that of all the people on planet Earth, believers, Christians, followers of Jesus should be the most innovative people on the planet and should be the most creative people on the planet. Why? Because we serve a God who says all things are possible. Actually, the most narrow-minded people I know are people who don't believe in God. Why? Because their possibilities are limited just by these certain things. But when I put my faith in God, all things are possible. It expands my horizon. I can be much more creative and I can be much more innovative. You know what the greatest sin is? Not the one you're thinking of. The greatest sin is unbelief. Unbelief. It is not trusting the God who made me. He made everything on the planet. He made everything in the universe. Everything I have, I owe to him. It all came from God. I wouldn't have anything, not even my life, if it weren't for him. Why would I not trust him? When I have unbelief, it limits my life. Now listen to this. 
The more you believe God, the more you trust God, the more limitless your possibilities become. The more possibilities for your life, the more possibilities for your family, the more possibilities for your career, the more you trust God. I've said many times that hell would be if God showed me what I could have accomplished in life if I just believed him a little bit more. That to me would be hell. I missed that. Yeah, because you just didn't trust me. You just didn't believe me. So let me ask you three very personal questions. Number one, in what area or areas of your life are you limiting God by your unbelief? God wants to bless you, but you're limiting because you won't do it his way. Your finances, your relationships, your career. So yeah, I know God says to do such and such, but I don't really know, think he knows what's best. I'm going to do what I want to do. Every time you doubt God, you limit yourself. Question number two. What needs changing in your life? What do you need to change in your life? What would you like to change in your family? What would you like to change in your relationships or in the world? I want to change five major problems. We call them the global Goliaths. Spiritual emptiness, egocentric leadership, poverty, pandemic diseases, illiteracy. Those are giant problems. But with God, all things are possible. What would you like to change? Third question, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? You're not waiting for God. He's waiting for you. Friends, these are the greatest days to be alive. We live in an unbelievable time. And God has put you in a world-class church. A church that is literally changing the world. Affecting hundreds of thousands of church leaders in 162 countries. And God, of all people, brought you here to be a part of it. Why? Not so you can sit and watch history, so you can be a part of it. We are making a difference. This is no time for discouragement. It's time to get going. That's Pastor Rick Warren with a portion of today's message called, How Should I Live in This World? It's from the series, Reframing Your Worldview. Now, we'll continue with more in just a moment, but right now, please be sure to check out rickwarren.org. At rickwarren.org, you can sign up for Pastor Rick's free Daily Hope devotional, which thousands of people just like you benefit from each and every day. These are personal and practical emails which will absolutely encourage you. And while you're at rickwarren.org, listen to his latest message, connect with him on Facebook and Twitter, or just shop our online store, which has tons of resources to help your walk with God. Find us online today at rickwarren.org. You know what? There's more Daily Hope with Rick Warren in just a moment. The book, entitled The Good Life by Pastor Rick's friend and mentor, the late Chuck Colson, asks the hard existential questions like, is there absolute truth? Where do we come from? What does it mean to live a good life? And more. In this revised version, Rick teamed up with Chuck and laid out six truth-filled, easy-to-follow lessons that will sharpen your Christian worldview, motivating you to live out your ministry of service and your mission to an unbelieving world. The Good Life by Chuck Colson is our gift to thank you for your donation to support this Daily Hope radio broadcast. Request your copy when you call 800-600-5004 or visit rickwarren.org. Once again, Pastor Rick. Now these first five values that we looked at all had to do with your relationship directly to God. 
These second five values all have to do with your relationship to other people. So let's look at them. The sixth key to becoming and living like Jesus, living a Jesus lifestyle, is hospitality. You must learn to live with hospitality. Now, what's hospitality? It's just love in action. It's practical love. It's love with hands and feet on it. It's, it's, it's love that you can see in action. Jesus showed hospitality to everybody. Everybody. And he expects his followers to do the same. Here's the problem. We don't know how to do it. Today, hospitality is a lost art. People have very shallow relationships. They don't know how to show hospitality to each other. They don't know how to care for each other. It's very possible for you to live a life with just acquaintances, to not really get close to anybody and show hospitality. Yesterday I was reading Time magazine and one of the articles in Time was called Teaching Doctors How to Care. Well, well, that sounds a little odd. Okay. Uh, And here was a quote. At Harvard and other medical schools across the country, educators are beginning, I mean, beginning to realize that empathy is as valuable to a doctor as any clinical skill. Well, duh. Have they never been a patient? And when I have a doctor, I want a doctor who cares for me, who's kind, who empathizes, who just isn't a cold fish. I want somebody who shows hospitality. Now, I don't know if any of you get this, but anybody see the irony in this article, teaching doctors to care? Wouldn't you figure that it's kind of ironic to train hospitals in how to be hospitable? Wouldn't you think that hospitals would be the place you show hospitality? I mean, it's the same word. Hospitals are supposed to be a place of hospitality where they show practical care, practical love in loving ways. Have you ever wondered why Saddleback Church is such a friendly church, such a warm church? The secret ingredient is our small groups. Over 3,000 small groups. And one of the reasons we teach everybody should be in a small group is that's where you learn hospitality. And getting to know people up close. And nobody teaches hospitality anymore. So we build small groups that force us how to learn it. Because Jesus said, you're going to be my follower. You got to learn to be hospitable. And so we have over 3,000 small group hosts. And they open up their homes and show hospitality. You know, let me just brag on you for a minute. I am so proud of you as a church because you have caused Saddleback Church to get a reputation around the world as a very hospitable church. Because we've welcomed hundreds of thousands of visitors here to this church. Oh, you know, maybe a thousand people every weekend or for somewhere overseas. On the, on the patio, I talk to them every week. And they all have their cameras. You know, and they want to take pictures. And they wanna, they're just so glad to be here. And then, of course, we've had all these conferences where we've now trained over 400,000 pastors church leaders from 162 countries. Just two weeks ago, we had another conference and when they come here, they stay in our homes. Do you realize how unusual that is? Strangers don't stay in homes anywhere else in our society. You just don't go and stay in a stranger's house. 
doesn't happen. But that's hospitality. And so here are just a few letters. I, the Purpose Driven Conference this week was life-changing for us. We stayed with such an awesome Saddleback family. God put us together, and I look forward to staying in touch with them. Here's another one. Thank you for providing the host homes for our team of 14 from Norway. The hospitality of Saddleback members is such a great testimony to the love that reigns in your congregation. We're forever grateful to our host families and the opportunity to talk with real, live Saddleback members. Instead of those virtual ones, I guess, on the internet. <laughs> Lots of friendships were formed. Here's one that says, I can't thank you enough for placing me with such an awesome host family. They went so far out of their way to make my stay special. I couldn't believe that Greg took me surfing and jogging and cooked a steak supper and did so much more. I'm staying at Greg's house. <laughs> People like these speak louder for your culture and the ministry of Saddleback than anything else. Amen. Here's what it says. Uh, I want to express my thanks to your members for housing me so I could come to the conference. The most impressive thing to me at Saddleback is your amazing family of volunteers. Everything's so organized, with volunteers willing to help and answer my questions. They were everywhere smiling, and my host family treated me just like I was a family. You guys really know how to love around here. What an example you are to the world. I'm proud of you. Listen to this. I am one of the black pastors from New Orleans that lost his church in the Katrina hurricane. By chance, I was placed in the same host home with another black pastor from Africa. Now I know this may sound strange, but each night the two of us marveled that we were in Orange County, California, staying in the home of a white family who were strangers who had invited us in with open arms. Nothing in our backgrounds could have imagined that kind of love and hospitality. We saw Jesus in your people. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for doing that. In Matthew 10, Jesus says this. If you welcome a prophet, that's like me, a pastor, a priest, a, a minister. If you welcome a pastor, that means you're showing hospitality to them. As one who speaks for God, you will receive the same reward a prophet gets. Whoa. Whoa. Don't you wish you'd had a pastor in your home? That means the people who take me in will get the same reward that I get they sharing in the ministry. That's cool. And look at the rest. It says, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. You get extra credit if you give them a Starbucks. <laughs> he said, it all counts. It all counts. Look at the next verse. Jesus said this, whatever you did for any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you did it for me. And when you failed to help any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you failed to do it for me. He says, these are the reasons we do hospitality. Why are we doing the peace plan all around the world? I mean, that's a lot of work. Why don't we just be a happy little selfish church? Why are we doing partnering with other churches and 
equipping servant leaders and teaching management to leaders overseas and assisting the poor and caring for the sick and educating the next generation, P-E-A-C-E. Why are we doing that? Because the peace plan is simply hospitality. It's just practical love. And Jesus said, if you're going to be like me, you're going to do that. Look at the next one. The seventh ingredient for living like Jesus. You want to live like Jesus? Civility. Discernibility, integrity, humility, simplicity, possibility, hospitality, and civility. This is how God wants you to act for people who disagree with you. Now, sadly, civility has become, unfortunately, a counterculture value in our society. I don't know if you've noticed how uncivil our culture has become. People are just flat out rude today. You notice that? They're just rude. They're not polite to each other. They're not civil with each other. During the last election cycle, I decided to subscribe to eight political magazines. And I got four of them from the left and I got four of them from the right. I subscribed to four liberal magazines and I subscribed to four conservative magazines because I just wanted to read their different take on the different issues. At the end of the year, I let all eight subscriptions drop. Why? Because they were just bickering and bad-mouthing each other and not really dealing with the issues. They were just demonizing each other and partisan bickering and yelling and just name-calling. And it wasn't really about the issues. It was just about how bad the other team was with character part, you know, uh, assassinations. Now, what's happening? In America, as our nation becomes more pluralized, that means we have more people coming in from different perspectives, different places, different perspectives. The greater our differences become, and the more differences we have, the more uh, divisive people are becoming. Of course, the media loves this. They like a fight. Have you noticed that? You know, on talk shows, they like the people who yell at each other. They like the violence. They don't ever, you know, they don't ever have calm discussions except on public television, you know. But they, they want where people yell at each other and call each other names and assassinate each other's character and give barbs and one-liners because that's good, good therapy or good theater. And as a result, the media just keeps whipping it up. And books that are designed to attack actually sell better than those that just present a good argument. I was in the home of a well-known leader. I'm not going to mention which side this leader was on. And that person said to me, he said, the quickest way to raise money is get an enemy. He said, you can raise 10 times the money against something as you can for something. I thought, that's pathetic. That is pathetic that we live in that kind of uncivil society. I was interviewed the other day by somebody, I don't remember who it was. And they said, we keep hearing about this second reformation. What would you like to see happen in America? And I said, I'd like to see three things. The restoration of credibility in the church. The restoration of responsibility in individual lives. It's purpose-driven life. It's not about you. And the restoration of civility in our culture so that you can disagree without being disagreeable that people still respect each other even if they don't agree. Even if they're flat out dead wrong, even if they're fighting against you, 
You treat them the way you would like to be treated. That's civility. That's Rick Warren with Daily Hope. In just a moment, Rick will be back to share a closing thought. But right now, you're invited to visit the Daily Hope website. It's rickwarren.org. Log on today and you can get the entire message you just heard. You can get message notes, social media links, and sign up for Rick's free Daily Hope devotional. So log on now at rickwarren.org. Also, we want to let you know that this is the last week we'll be offering a special gift to say thanks for your donation to support this Daily Hope broadcast. It's a powerful book by the late Chuck Colson called The Good Life. Now, Pastor Rick shares in the foreword of this helpful book that Chuck was relentless in his pursuit of truth in every area of life. And Chuck Colson brings this passion to bear in The Good Life as he helps you answer hard existential questions like, is there truth? Is it knowable? What difference does it make? And what does it really mean to live a good life? Chuck asks and answers these questions in a way that can literally change your life and the lives of those around you. The Good Life is our gift to thank you for your donation to support this Daily Hope broadcast. So please request your copy when you call us today, 1-800-600-5004. And if you could, please consider giving just a little more today to help support the program in your area. We are 100% supported by listeners like you. So we appreciate your gifts, prayers, calls, emails, and we'd love to hear your testimonies. Plus, if there's a need in your life, we'd love the chance to pray for you. So give us a call before this offer expires on Friday at 1-800-600-5004. And now here's Pastor Rick with a final thought. How does God want you to respond to people who disagree with you? Well, he's very clear in the word. He says he wants us to respond with integrity, with humility, and with civility. You know, sadly today, civility has become actually a counterculture value in our society. I don't know if you've noticed our culture, our civilization is losing its civility. People are just flat out rude today. Have you noticed that? The whole idea of being polite to people you disagree with, has kind of gone out the window. You know, I've thought about this a lot. And I think that right now, our culture needs three things. We need to see the restoration of credibility in the church. We need to see the restoration of responsibility in individual lives. And we need to see the restoration of civility in our culture. We need to learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. Why do I want that? Why is that a goal of my life? Because Jesus said it. He said it like this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Did you hear that? Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. If you want to have a reputation for Christ likeness, if you want to represent Jesus in the world, you must be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker but a peacemaker. The people who create conflict and division, those aren't Christ-like people. It's the peacemakers who are Christ-like. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5, 9. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. You know, that's what I want. It's what I want for you. I want God's blessing on your life, and I want that blessing to come because you're a peacemaker. You promote civility, not incivility, among people who have differing beliefs. One of the most famous quotes of Jesus is Matthew seven twelve, where he says this, In everything you do, do to others 
what you would have them do to you. That's called the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And the word for that, the golden rule, is civility. Civility is just treating people the way you'd like to be treated. It means that even if you disagree with them, you treat them with respect, you give them honor, and you are humble in dealing with them, and you deal with them with integrity, even if they're flat out dead wrong. You know what? The Bible says we're not just to love each other. The Bible says we're to even love our enemies. Now, that's radical. We don't have to agree with them, but we are to love our enemies. That's what it means to live for Jesus in an incivil world. I'm Rick, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Daily Hope Ministries and listeners like you.